the bonfires of social enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global. Welcome to the bonfires of social enterprise. My name is Rami, and I will be your host for this wonderful set of stories and interviews. When the producers of Flatlands Avenue Productions approached me with the idea of doing a regular show, my first reaction was both excitement and anxiety. I found the thought of becoming a storyteller thrilling because I could have a platform to tell the world about the amazing and inspiring people I'm able to spend time with daily. On the other hand, I immediately felt anxiety over attempting to learn how to host a podcast show. (laughs) I am not a professional, and I'd had thoughts that ran through my head such as, Rami, you're just an analyst. You have no professional experience with radio or broadcasting. Thankfully, with the encouragement of our producers and lots of friends and family, I proceeded. So this show is near and dear to my heart, and I will do my best to tell the incredible stories of my discovery in the field of social enterprise. I'm sure you're wondering, why did we name the show The Bonfires of Social Enterprise? I had begun to use the analogy of a bonfire regularly when trying to describe both to the socially-minded entrepreneur and the potential investor how it all worked. I'd spent years attempting to find a way to ground someone around a concept and finally landed on this analogy of a bonfire that suddenly rallied the masses. I had graciously been given some speaking opportunities and soon became known as the bonfire lady. So, I would like to take you through some of the ways we use the bonfire analogy here at Gingrass Global and Gingrass Global Groups. While I won't walk you through all of them, I'll give you some of the most common analogies we use around the bonfire concept. Let me begin by telling you a story. Walk with me into your imagination for just a few minutes. Imagine you live in an area that's cold in temperature. Not necessarily snow, but just cold. You also live in an area without the traditional methods of heating, such as home with gas or electric. As a matter of fact, you live in an entire community full of individuals that are very cold and under-resourced. You happen to be one of the fortunate ones that you personally have enough food and a place to stay where you make fires inside to keep you and your family warm. One day you decide you will make a fire outside because you're going to attempt to bring some others around the fire so that they might become warmer and have some heat. So you passionately plan where you will build your fire and begin to gather your supplies. You know you will need some sort of materials to start the fire and some wood or logs to keep the fire going once it's burning easily. Your first thoughts and goals are to get the fire big enough and warm enough to bring about 8 to 10 or so people around the fire. So in your mind, you decide how big the fire needs to be to accomplish this particular goal. Two days later, by your best estimates, you've gathered all your supplies, and you begin the process of slowly and carefully lighting the fire. Your full attention is on guarding and tending your new flames in small triangular setup. You are careful to guard that the wind does not blow out your new flame. As you cup your hands around the growing flames, you slowly and carefully add more and more tinder and sticks to continue feeding this fire. As others begin to stop and comment, you try not to get distracted by all of the questions you hear behind you, such as, Why are you doing this? This is silly. This won't work. Fires are for a long time ago. It will just go out. Why are you building fires for those people? They won't help you anyway. With all of your focus, you stop engaging the curious audience, and you determine to just keep your eyes on the goal of getting your fire built. It doesn't take too long before you have a very nice fire. It's almost now waist high, and you find yourself almost backing up a little bit from the heat it's beginning to put off. 
Wonderful, you think to yourself. This is basic, but I believe it'll work. You glance around your fire and comfort yourself with the knowing that you have plenty of logs to keep it burning for quite some time. You know you're ready. As you look to your left, you see some of the people shivering over near the edge of the woods. Keeping in mind that you don't know these people and they don't know you, you get up and slowly walk over to them. As you invite them to your fire and tell them you want to help them become warm, you point over to your fire. Because it's now turning to dusk, you notice the fires illuminating the environment, making it easy to see in the darkening sky. Your first two people get up, walk over, and sit cautiously by your fire. They put their hands up toward the warmth, and you can see their amazement and somewhat guarded manner. Three more come, then two more. You now have eight people in front of your fire. Some have begun to even smile a little. You throw on another couple of good-sized logs and sit with satisfaction as you've accomplished your goal. You begin to hear about two children who are further away, past the tree line, who really need to get to the fire. They are small and without parents, you hear. You tell the people at the fire you'll be back. Successfully, three hours later, you've retrieved the two small children and placed them by the fire. To your amazement, some of the first people have now begun to cook over the fire and begin to feed themselves and others. Crowds have begun to gather in the distance. Curious observers, supporters, and critics. The local media has shown up to do a story on how you're keeping people warm with your fire. The academic community has come to study and measure how many people are around the fire and the social impact you're having. Even investors have shown up, asking if you'd like to build fires in other communities. That they would help buy the wood for your project because they like the impact. Ah, oh, all is good. Suddenly, you begin to hear cries for help. You know the sounds coming from your left again, from the woods. You stock up the fire and take off for the woods. This time, you find a man and a woman, both severely injured, bleeding in fact, and shivering. You realize quickly that they need serious medical attention. You also realize you're now out of sight from your bonfire. As fast as you can, you attempt to move both people. This is not going to work. Both of them are too injured. You make the decision to carry the woman and send someone to come back for the man. You do your best to focus on the light from the direction of your fire. You wonder why the light is not as bright as normal. You can barely see the light when, usually, it lights up the entire area from this distance. The knowing settles in. You were gone much longer than you realized. You were gone for seven hours, and you still have a good 45-minute walk back. The woman is passed out now and shivering in your arms. Step by step, you make your way. Unfortunately, it's also begun to rain. You quicken your steps, but you are truly almost to exhaustion yourself. You call out to the crowds of people that were there when you left. You call out, and no response. No one is there. It has become cold, dark, and rainy, and everyone has left. Finally, you make it back just in time to see that your fire is mostly out. Only six people are near the fire, and they're upset and cold. You quickly scan to look for more wood or some type of covering. Ugh, there is none. Your fire's out, and no one is there to help. Now let's step out of our story for a minute and use this story to review some of the elements of social enterprise. First, the bonfire itself represents 
the business side, or the enterprise side of the social enterprise. The warmth it provides is the social mission. The people that are positively affected by the fire are the social mission beneficiaries. A social enterprise is defined at its very basic level as an organization attempting to generate a positive cash flow and deliver some type of social impact. It's a duly motivated entity. One or the other is not an afterthought. It is part of the overall identity of the organization. We use the bonfire analogy to describe the care and attention a business needs both in the beginning and ongoing. We often notice that an entrepreneur will begin the effort of building his or her business with the focus needed, and some will come along and actually readily criticize the amount of time they're spending on the enterprise portion of their business in the beginning. Well, I simply say they have to get their fire going first. If the fire isn't going, then no one will be warm. We encourage extra focus, as a matter of fact, on the business or enterprise element in the early stages of the social enterprise development. Second, plans were not made for rain. There are just some variables in business that business owners have no control over. However, this does not mean you don't perform some type of strategic planning for emergencies or alternative factors and scenarios. Third, we need to understand that there's a lot of praise around the social missions of social enterprises. This is good and to be celebrated. However, the owner and management team must be acutely aware of the temptation to go beyond their own social mission boundaries. As you remember in our story, the last time you went to get people in the woods, you found yourself in medical triage, out of sight of your bonfire. You were out of your field of expertise and mission, and the fire went out. In effect, you went off reservation out of purely a great heart and took your eyes off your business, and the business stopped. This is the number one reason social businesses or social enterprises fail. The temptation to offer additional social services goes beyond what the enterprise can cover. Let me say that again. The number one reason social enterprises fail is the owners took their eyes off running the actual business element. Now, I've used the bonfire analogy to illustrate some negative outcomes of social enterprise. Let's now quickly review a couple exciting and empowering parts of this analogy. First, bonfires catch fire. Fire catches fire. It inspires others to act. Fire can spread. Many social enterprises can be scaled by duplicating simplistic models in multiple locations. Fire is light. The ripple effect of one social enterprise feeds light into an entire community. Fire is heat. A social enterprise must operate at the highest possible level of efficiency. The fire can refine and strengthen an entire team. In summary, the bonfire analogy can be used in many applications with respect to social enterprise. As you can imagine, we have many more uses for this analogy as we teach and observe in the field, and that's what this podcast show is all about. We would like to tell you the stories of other social entrepreneurs in the field of Michigan and Detroit. We would encourage you as a listener to reach out to us and share an analogy regarding the bonfire that you may have come up with. Give us a sample of how social enterprises use it. We just might use it and mention you on our show. Reach us at develop at gingrassglobal.com. All right, everyone. Enjoy the show. 
Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami Gingras and are copywritten 2015 Gingras Global LLC and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Gingras Global LLC.